Yet before this night is through, some of us will fall. For the first time, we do so. Not as unnamed slaves in faraway lands, but as brothers. As brothers and sisters in our home. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Meta Nerdia. And in this first season we are uh, taking a look at Amazon Prime's uh, Lord of the Rings Rings of Power. And today we are talking about episode 6. Before we jump into things, just a quick reminder um, that if you would like to comment on what we've talked about, if you'd like to ask any questions, um, you can reach us at metanerdia at gmail.com. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, so yeah, this is episode 6. Um, which is called Blood Splatter. <laughs> oh, nope. That's Blood, not right. Blood Sport. This episode. John claude Van Damme was in it. Kicked a bunch of people. <laughs> this episode was called Udun. Um, and we'll get into that in just a second. The uh, IMDb description of this episode Adar and his army march on Astirith. And that's a short and sweet description. And so uh, let's get a quick reaction uh, from our other co-hosts. Um, this is Andrew, by the way. Um, Ryan, quick thoughts about episode six. It was very stabby. I was not not prepared. F- the If this was a bar graph of how much stabbing has taken place so far, you'd see a dramatic spike in this episode, pun intended. But I, I will say I enjoyed nice. the fact that it focused on one st- storyline. So we got a deep dive. That actually felt like more of a self-contained episode. Things happened. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to discussing, especially the ending. Yeah, um, Ryan, you're exactly right. We did not see any of the Harfoots in this episode. We did not see uh, any of the dwarves in this episode either. Um, just kind of focused on the kind of the two storylines merging into one. Um, Jesse, quick reaction about episode six. I liked, like Ryan said, that it stuck to one storyline. It didn't bounce around a lot. Um, did still have some pacing issues, I would say. But altogether, I thought it was an enjoyable episode, especially at the end when you start mm-hmm. getting some answers, learning who certain people are uh, and i gotta say props to adar because that man proved himself to be a brilliant tactician and he was just he was definitely moving all the pieces so i'm looking forward to talking about that conversation in particular that he and gladriel had at the end yeah i was um i was really hoping um at the beginning that adar was not going to be dead um when when aaron deer kind of uh, trapped uh, the group of orcs um, at the garrison, and um, which was a, a great move, um, by the way. Um, one of the things that I appreciated about this episode, I, I enjoyed it as well, uh, was that I, I, th- I feel like in the writing, um, they did a good job of... Um, they, they used multiple battles, I think, to kind of like... At the beginning, um, some of Adar and some of the orcs go to the garrison and Aaron Deer's the only one there and he kind of traps them and um, kind of has the garrison fold in on itself. Um, I kind of like that they did that um, so that it gave us a way to be like, okay, they're not going to have to face as many orcs as we originally thought. Cause I think we talked last episode about like, this is going to be a pretty quick battle when it happens because there's like a handful of, of people that are trying to fight against all all of these orcs um so um i thought that that was a good move um and i'm happy that adar didn't die um in in that moment as well um 
Yeah, any thoughts about the kind of the the first couple of scenes? We also see Adar um, kind of rallying the troops at the beginning too. I enjoyed it. Like you said, Andrew, I liked how they kind of set the trap because when they're first marching uh, and everything, going to, I guess they think, battle the townspeople, they, um, they're walking kind of slow. And it's almost like, okay, why, one, why is Adar right in front? Why are they just like, why'd they mm-hmm. stop their chant? What are they looking at? And like, then it goes to the ruin, or I forget what the name of the, the area is, or the stronghold. And they just kind of are looking, and then you see Aaron Deer, and he starts flinging some arrows and then takes down the tower on them. Um, but I really like that. I really liked how, like, townspeople were like we're not gonna stand a chance against these guys we're out of here i just wish they would have kept running and not like stayed the, at the town at the bottom of the hill that was some of my biggest issues they didn't really get into why they stayed i wish there would have been some kind of reason um for yeah. that and also a reason for why they kept or they just chose to hide the hill um i feel like someone should have gotten a horse and got the heck out of there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, it's similarly it's the tower was you know let's talk military tactics for a second. The tower was clearly a very strongly defensible position. Right. Uh and and so on the one hand, they used that to their advantage. You know, they they it was a bit odd how they all like all of the orcs and and Adar just kind of funnel in there kind of casually as you mentioned Jesse, they're kind of like, "Hey, where is everybody?" <laughs> and then like, "Oh, he's shooting stuff." So it was a little bit like that's not normally. I don't know. Just they really casually walked in there. So on the one hand, you think, oh, that's genius. He he brings down the tower. He destroys the majority of their force. But then clearly, as you pointed out, Jesse, they expected not the entire force to have been wiped out. And so now they're occupying a much less defensible position. Right. <laughs> and what they called the keep turns out to be the tavern, <laughs> and they have like a few boards and tables like. Like this right. is your plan? Is like is to if you ever see you've seen um uh the Three Amigos was based off of an actual western which was uh, no actually based on eight se- sorry Seven Samurai. Have you seen the movie Seven Samurai? So Seven nope. Samurai then turned into Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. which then turned into Three Amigos. Oh, that's uh, they, funny. they spoofed it. But there's this idea of like you have these uh, elite warriors who help a village and normal villagers defend themselves so it, it reminded me actually quite a lot of like seven samurai and magnificent seven style of like hey we're i know we're just regular townspeople but we're gonna fight and defend ourselves here but yeah there i had some questions about their their uh, their whole military strategy and aaron deer is like i'm gonna hide it so that not even you know where it is bronwyn and then right. Theo's all like, "Oh, it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the floor." Yeah, that like, definitely like, was Aaron problematic. Dear, you had one like, job. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I, I I love where it got to uh, yeah. by the end of the episode, but come on, that under the floorboards—that's where he found it initially. Like, I think that would have been the first place people would have looked if they would have just yeah. wiped out all the townspeople, just stabby stabbed them all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted Theo to pull up in that <clears throat> the floorboard and be like, oh, it's I, not here. I guess I just kind of thought yeah, that's exactly. where it would be, but I didn't He's actually like, I really, know. I really thought that would work. Because how, how did you yeah. know? I mean, I I almost like <laughs> expected him to like get the sword and then start going off yeah. on people. But uh, I was yeah, wondering I, about I, that too. Same. I thought that would be pretty cool if he tries to use the sword and maybe he, you know, I don't know, knifes a few guys and he gets grabbed. That would have actually been a bit more compelling from a writing perspective. Like, oh, he's trying to be brave and he's trying to fight them and protect his mom. Uh, but instead he's like, it's here, here you go. And then suddenly the people who are wantonly stabbing the villagers are like, cool, we got it. Let's leave now. Y'all y'all are good. We're going to just head out. You just don't, right. don't rise against us <laughs> in the future or anything. It's like, no, they would have, consistent with their characters, they would be like, great, now we have what we want lock them in, burn the building down. They would have done something terrible. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Deer, though, uh, unlike most uh, TV shows and movies where there's like, you know, hey, your girlfriend or wife or child is going to die if you don't give it up. Like, 
He wasn't going to give it up. Yeah. He was never going to give it up. Never gonna He's never going to let it go. I set him up for that one. <laughs> it's true. And Theo's all like, no, here it is. I must say, Waldreg yeah. had a much more important role than I thought he would ever have in that, that episode. And to be honest, when the episode started and they kind of show him, like, it, it almost seems like he's he looks like surprised at what's about to happen. And so I was like, oh, I bet I bet at the end of the episode he's going to like turn back and help the townspeople and like and kill some of the orcs. Nope. <laughs> nope. I could not have been more wrong on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That man. Um, no, I, th- <laughs> I thought it was uh, brilliant when that first wave came in and – they end up just being townspeople in orc or orc armor. Yeah. I thought that was really smart because the whole time yeah. I'm like, wow, these townspeople, they're really holding their own against orcs. Like they shouldn't be because all they have are wooden weapons, but they're doing pretty well. And then you find out it reminded me a lot of at the end are the final sequence in the dark Knight, or one of the final sequences when the Joker has all of the doctors mm-hmm. in yep. like his henchman's uniform. <clears throat> um, although these individuals in ranks of power they're willingly going yeah. after uh the people but um right. yeah i just really like that i think that just added more to the uh the intelligence that uh adar has for the whole thing yeah yeah and also interesting about uh adar <clears throat> we oh aaron deer i think explains that you um you plant the seed before battle yeah Right, um, and I thought it was really cool how we got to see Adar doing that as well, just kind of showing like he he still sees himself as an elf. I mean, he is an elf, but like uh, he prefers um, Uruk. Well, that's true, actually. Yeah, but he's still keeping some elf. Yeah, it's interesting. Customs. Yeah, there's a sort of attention you observe. So, I gotta ask, mm-hmm. which direction does the sun rise in Middle Earth? <laughs> because there was some stuff that did not make sense when well, they were okay. looking at the sun, and then yeah, I don't know. Ryan, do, do you want to hear anything or Andrew? My theory. This is going to seem a little bit wild. I actually wonder if they put all of Tolkien's work into an AI, and then half <laughs> wrote the script with artificial intelligence, because there are, like you said, Jesse. There's just this these portions of of how it's written that you're like, well. That's not quite right. Like that makes sense. Like it, these are actually these are English words, but the sun, like I, that whole scene too. I was like, yeah, the sun rises always rises in the east. Is he saying that's the first time he'll see it? I think what he was saying was he normally sees the sun rise in the east over water and set in the west on Numenor, but now he's seeing the sun rise in the east over land, which is Middle Earth. And seeing it set over water, which is the direction of Numenor, I think that's what he was saying. Does that make sense? It's still rising and setting east and west, but he's just commenting that the directions have shifted land and water. I mean, I'm just going like that's a good point too. Like I didn't even catch that part, but I was going off of like when they're on the ship, they see the sun rising over Middle Earth, and then they cut back to Arendir. And the crew, and it's nighttime there still. And we get to see uh, all the uh, Numenorians riding on their horses. And it looks like it's dusk, but then it cuts back again to... Oh, I see what you mean. ...to uh, the town, and it's dark. <clears throat> I see what you mean. If they're, yeah. if they're traveling east, I, I, it should be... sun. The sun should be up where they're <laughs> at. Um, I mean, do we know? do we know how far they had to travel after they got off of the boats. Cause I guess I was, I thought about that too. And I was just kind of assuming that it's, they're not showing things happening at simultaneously. Uh, gotta get all I the mean, maps. Well, while Ryan looks, it, it almost feels like whoever was editing didn't put the scenes in the right order. Um, cause I mean, for example, what I was talking about with the pacing earlier, uh, the scene where, um, like the dam is opening up and you see all the water rushing in 
Um, and you're like, oh, where's this going? And like they're building tension really well. And then it cuts to Isildur and his dad with the horse. And he gets a lesson on calming his horse down a little bit and how he learned it from his mom. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with like the tension that was being built. And it just kills all of it. It seems like that scene should have been before, what's his name, opening the gate. Um, yeah, I see what you mean. But, I mean, hmm. I don't know where they landed with their ships, but they're uh, they're in the new Mordor now, right? That's, that's what that basically created. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Oh, I didn't think about that either. That, was that Mountain Doom? That was my guess. That's I thought they were, like, essentially terraforming Earth to create something that was inhabitable for orcs. And, like, now it's Mordor. Oh, dang. Well, I guess, gosh, I think you're right. That's crazy. Well, yeah, because they did travel. They did travel up. They reached the coast and they traveled up a river, so it would have been the Anduin, probably. Well, while Ryan's looking that up, I'll also mention. Um, did you guys think it was weird that Isildur, like, first of all, shares an apple with a horse? <laughs> yeah, that was like, gross. Let's it take a bite. Easy, Barrett. Easy. And then takes a bite himself. I wouldn't do that. And then he eats like one more bite. <laughs> and then he just throws like half or more of the apple into the ocean. Like the horse would have eaten the rest of that apple. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, why are you only giving the horse one bite of an apple? Like you're on a ship, you have limited resources, right? Yeah, that that was weird me out too. Like he was giving it to the horse, I was like, "Oh, that's cute." Then he takes a bite, and was like, "Nah." But I was like, "Okay, yep. I guess." Like people let dogs lick them in the mouth and everything, do weird stuff. Maybe he's one of them. <laughs> and then he throws it like, in the ocean. I, I'm like, "Okay, right." And like I've fed horses like apples before. <laughs> like it takes oh, like yeah. two bites. Like they eat more than half of it in the first. Yeah, they bite. don't take a nibble. And they made it look like he just like yeah, like take a human bite and not a horse. Those bite. Numenorean horses, they're so polite. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> this has nothing to do with the story at all. But it's everything to do with the story. <laughs> That's why the horse was mad at the end because he didn't give him Yes, because he knew that he threw out the apple. It's like I would have eaten that, you jerk. It's like the, that was my last apple. <laughs> they don't have apples in Middle Earth. All they have are the red, delicious ones, and those are terrible. <laughs> they, they only have them in Numenor. So now we have uh, Mr. Ed as a character. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and his whole dad was like, "He's this horse isn't upset because he's injured, as he has a huge gash in his side. The horse is upset because your feelings were hurt, sealed to her. It's like, no, that horse has been stabbed. You need to care about the horse. You got to put some, uh, some Band-Aids on that. Not a sealed or wounded ego or whatever. <laughs> Anyways, but yes, to your point, it is in Mordor. That's where the Southlands are. Uh... I don't know is that if that's supposed to be Mount Doom, it's roughly in the right spot where it could be as the origin story of Mount Doom. Dang, but that is crazy. That's a good observation, Jesse. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it, it is conceivable that they could reach the coast and travel either up the Anduin and/or down a side river that flows almost directly into the foothills of of the the area they were in. So. So yeah, it had a little bit of the Helm's Deep moment where it's like, oh, no, we're going to be killed. And then all of a sudden, like, the horse people are here. <laughs> yeah. So is so when I was, like, thinking this whole time, like, when you were saying Tolkien was writing this as if it was England, I took Middle Earth to be England and then Numenor to basically, I guess, I was thinking for some, for whatever reason, that it'd be like Ireland. So it'd be like an, uh, an island to the northwest. So is Numenor actually to the southwest of Middle Earth then, um, or is it directly west? How's that uh, oriented? I haven't looked at a map. Yeah, I mean it is far west. It was supposed to represent kind of an, an Atlant uh, island of Atlantis type uh, situation, um, but it would have been due. I'm trying to see here. It would have been due, almost due west. 
of Gondor, where Gondor was. Maybe um, they just have a, a strong southeast current that they follow. I guess so. But yeah, it would have been roughly due west of where uh, where they ended up landing. But yeah, it would have been you know several days boat journey. Yeah, horses, apples, and nautical directions—the best parts of that of the episode. <laughs> I also d- thought that the horses were relatively poorly clad for heading into warfare. <laughs> they had like a cool neck-looking mm. thing, but they did had no. I don't think any of the horses had like uh, like chest plates. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was just again. Let's let's just make this episode of horses where we discuss <laughs> did we just become a horse podcast <laughs> i think we did we know we, we know people that we could ask on oh absolutely yeah so we got some experts we got some equine experts out there yeah <laughs> okay um so the so the numenor or yeah so galadriel the numenorians they arrive um Another thought, another spot where it seemed a little weird was like they're all kind of fighting, and then Isildur apparently is like hanging back with uh, the queen, mm-hmm. and then she like lets him go into the battle. Did, I didn't understand what was going on there. Did you guys? Did that make sense, or like was I just confused about like they weren't gonna let him fight? I don't know. And then they were like, okay, go ahead. I think it. And then he wasn't even the one that saved his dad anyway. Yeah, I think it's it's sort of like a garrison approach where it's like you hold some of your force back. You don't commit your entire force to the first because you want to see how the enemy is gonna react. And then you say, oh, okay, let's flank. Or oh, they they had troops in reserve or are gonna protect our flank in case something else going is going on. Um, but yeah, that was a bit bizarre. Like because it's supposed to be this heroic moment, and I think doesn't a sealed or throw a spear or something but either way Hallbrand does Hallbrand does yeah, yeah. Hallbrand is the one that saves yeah him. but either way he gets to his dad and it's not like a heroic moment where a sealed door has saved him it's like oh i thought you were really hurt like no i'm okay um yeah he doesn't really actually do anything yeah, anyways what is it that you do here <laughs> maybe he's good with people <laughs> and horses he's gonna and learn horses. to be good with the horses i mean yeah. i i kind of took that as uh, Queen Mariel knew he wanted to be there and knew that people that were important to him are down there battling. So maybe she understands that he's going through some anxiety, not knowing whether or not they're okay. So she just goes ahead and sends him. Like there's no tactical purpose behind it. It's just uh, uh, more of an empathetic move than anything. Um, but I mean... If he knows his friend, like the Rock was being really rec- reckless, like he instantly <laughs> jumps off of his horse, like he's jumping off the top rope of the ring, and true. he just takes a couple guys out. Uh, so I would be worried yeah. too. Yeah, it, yeah, tactically too. It's like he gave up his biggest advantage, which was being on horseback, and he just sort of let let's be hand to hand. And then his whole buddy's on the ground with the sword scene, and the orc keeps. Literally doing the, do I'm like, the same thing. Do a combo move or yeah. something. Like he he's clearly blocking. Do a stabbing motion. Press triangle to stab down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think he was just like button mashing. Lack of button mashing at that point. Uh, anyways. Well, I guess maybe we'll say that these are pre Mordor orcs. Yeah. And so maybe they weren't trained as well. Yeah. Maybe. Nah. They just know how to dig. Um. Yeah. We do see. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. No, it, well, I know the beginning scene where he, where he's Adar's character is very fascinating. But the beginning scene, uh, he calls the whole group brothers and sisters. So I'm like, oh, I guess we can assume that unless he's talking to the townspeople, who are now in the mix as well. Um, but like that's there'll be a new like, hey, now we have brother and sister orcs in the mix as well. So there we go. Let's see. Let's see why not. <laughs> probably orc babies i guess so they gotta come from somewhere right uh, yeah we don't ever see that but <laughs> thankfully <laughs> that's a season two thing that's a season yeah. 1.5 <laughs> yeah there you go it's gonna be a yeah side a side a side series christmas special i guess so <laughs> we'll see what orc but- babies get for christmas it reminded me a little bit the scene where they start battling in the village reminded me a little bit of like home alone They've got like 
carts on fire rolling at the orcs mm. and they've got like things falling off of have you seen swiss family robinson like the old school version yep it reminded me a little bit like the antics of like haha we're gonna we're gonna get you <laughs> bronwyn couldn't light the light the carriage yeah she was strong. yeah she dropped the ball seriously dropped the rock uh. <laughs> We do see Aaron Deer get to fight an orc boss. And, oh my! Um, and how he yeah. got he got destroyed. Yeah. The the boss for most of that or fight. Aaron Deer. No, Aaron Deer. Yeah, it was a bizarre like hand to hand. Apparently, his main attack was pick up and throw Aaron Deer. <laughs> that was his main. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> like my wife pointed out, like he the orc doesn't even have a sword. <laughs> like, no, he's like, just like he just he's yeah only using his fist. That's all he needs. I guess so. I mean, didn't the, the, yeah. even the cave troll had a huge hammer, right? Or a mace or something? Something. Wait, yeah. was there a troll? No, I'm talking about in Helm's... In, uh, oh, in the first episode. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that, that was the first scene where I was like, we, we get it. He's been stabbed in the eye. We don't... <laughs> oh my gosh, so much blood splurting everywhere. In his mouth? Or just dripping even. Like... Yeah. <laughs> I was like, can you please wipe your mouth... <laughs> like he got up and just kept going. Like, come on, just put your sleeve up and get it out of there. I don't. That's that's disgusting. <laughs> well, yeah. Like the first shot where blood was coming out of his eye, I was like, oh, gross. And then they cut back to it. I'm like, oh, there's more. And I think they even cut back to it a third time. Oh yeah, yeah, because uh, it keeps so. going. Because at first it's just like a little corner, but then like he pulls the knife out and then it just like coats his teeth. <laughs> and then you get the uh, vampire's dream. Oh, it, you know what it was? It was activated charcoal toothpaste. That's what it was. That's it was. why he's got the pearly whites by the end. Yep. Yep. You can <laughs> see those through the ash. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That's how you're going to find Aaron Deer. He's just going to smile. <laughs> uh, so if if I skip anything here that you want to go back to, let me know. But um, so they they win the battle. Uh, they've got Adar chained up. And and actually, maybe it was before they changed him up, but um, we found out that Hallbrand knows who Adar is, and it sounds like has maybe killed some family members. I guess. So. And Adar, Adar wants or uh, Hallbrand wants to kill Adar, um, but Galadriel gives the line, "You cannot satisfy thirst by drinking seawater." Yeah, apparently he said that to her at some point in the previous episode. Did he? Yeah. Oh, he did. I think it's just there's a scene where she's like, he says, "Why, why are you still fighting?" And she says, "Because I can't stop." Mm. And it's like, yeah, that's what the definition of keep keeping doing is. <laughs> anyway, it was it was a very logically consistent answer. It's like, why are you doing that thing? Because I can't stop doing this thing. It's like, well, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I think it's it's supposed to be like a callback where she's referencing something she said. So. Oh. Huh. Totally miss yeah, that. Which I don't. I mean, is salt water supposed? Is it supposed to represent bitterness, revenge? I guess. Yeah, that's what okay. it seems like. Oh, I thought it was just like more literal. Whereas, like, <laughs> you should not drink salt water. <laughs> Survival tips <laughs> had nothing to you do with, with killing Adar. Kid- it's just like, by the way, this is a helpful note yeah. for you. <laughs> you want to keep your kidneys? Don't drink salt. <laughs> Look both ways before you cross the street. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Feed your a- a- whole apple to the horse. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was an interesting scene. Yeah, I didn't know if it was actually Hallbrand knowing Adar or if it was just he's the one leading all the orcs in the Southlands and Hallbrand's from the Southlands. So it's just like an association thing. Um, or maybe there was a battle and he actually did confront Adar or there was a, um, battle between Adar and Hallbrand's people. And he saw Adar do all these things, um, which would be interesting to hear like how Hallbrand got away then. Cause we didn't get that in previous episodes. Right. It's just kind of no. no we have rain. no idea how he ended up on that, on that raft. Uh, shipwrecked boat, right? Just yeah. have a vague idea that he bravely ran away when danger <laughs> reared its ugly head. He bravely turned his tail and fled. Run away! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah. So so first, Galadriel stops Hellbrand. Doesn't then Hellbrand stop Galadriel? Yeah, yep. later on. Because it's like a bad cop, bad Adar, cop situation. <laughs> Adar tells Galadriel that um, she's as evil as Sauron. Oh, it's not. For wanting to kill all of the orcs and and everything. Yep. Adar also claims to have killed Sauron. Yeah. He, he's talking big. Which do... I th- I think like that's not true, right? <laughs> We're pretty sure that that didn't happen. Well, I don't know what his motivation is, because on the one hand, he plants those seeds, and then later we see, uh, we see Aaron Deer do so with Bronwyn, and it's very much double meaning. Like, I'm gonna plant these seeds, and then maybe later you and I will plant some seeds in our <laughs> garden. You know that whole scene that was like. Ryan, this is a PG podcast. I'd like to. I'm just you. quoting the episode. Uh, or brings it back to orc babies. I, there we go. It's all it's full circle. Uh, so on the one hand, he's planting these seeds because he's going into battle, and you think like, oh, um, he still connects to this heritage he has. But then he wants to cover the world with darkness so that his orcs have a home. Isn't that like a key thing? He's like, they deserve a home too. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's a bit of. Is he sort of fighting for the right Uruk rights? And uh, I think we're supposed to kind of compare them to like, look, Adar is not all that different from Galadriel. They just, it's, they're the same. Two, two sides of the same coin. I guess. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she calls him Moriandor, which I checked. And it is not a Tolkien phrase. It's made oh. up by this show. I was going to ask, hmm. is that something from the books? Because it sounded too close to Mordor. Um, That's, again, this is my AI theory, my wife's AI theory, that it's been written by AI. Like, let's find a word that sounds like this other word. It's like, well, it's it means sons of darkness, which sounds like a pretty cool motorcycle gang. That's exactly what I thought, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where, where, where's uh, the sons no, of no, anarchy? No, it's a horror... <laughs> No, it's a horse game. Horse. We're a horse podcast. Oh, sorry. They have cool they jackets. They have yet. They have uh, cool, cool leather armor. jackets. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they got skull and crossbones they, on the back e- of their armor. Each of them, <laughs> each of their rides has one horsepower. That's <laughs> <just> true. <laughs> <laughs> they got a couple that have like a chariot. <laughs> nice. Like there the sidecar go. type situation. <laughs> I'd watch that show, you know. Uh, yeah, so anyways... We get the idea that he's one of the first elves corrupted by Morgoth. But yeah, he at one point claims that he not only kills Sauron, but splits him open. Splits him open. I'm not sure if he's just being very descriptive or if that's important in terms of a detail. Can Sauron hmm. split himself into like multiple uh, identities and be multiple places at once? Not necessarily like a uh, omnipotent kind, or not omnipotent, uh, what's the word? Being everywhere. Omnipresent. Omnipresent being, but like splitting himself into multiple beings so he can be a few different places. Because there have been several theories that Sauron was a certain play person in each storyline. Um, it's kind oh, of like a, like a, it's, it, it felt more akin to like back when uh, WandaVision, when that came out. And everyone was, or a lot of people were speculating, oh, Agatha, she's Mephisto. Oh no, it's the Shield guy. He's Mephisto, and like every person in that show was speculated to be Mephisto. So I don't want that to be like a thing here. But I don't know if it would be interesting if that was a little tell. Like Sauron was split, and now he's all over in multiple spots, kind of spreading his influence where he hmm. can. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see. I think in in the original trilogy. He he acts more through intermediary I mean, intermediaries like the nine, the Ringwraiths, the Nazgul, uh, Saruman. Uh, you know, so yeah, I don't. It would be a new development for him to have this ability to kind of manifest in different ways and places. I I did text a theory last week that Hallbrand was Sauron, but I'm doubting my my theory. There was a moment when Galadriel was trying to chase down Adar and Hallbrand somehow got on the other side of them. I don't really know how that 
could happen like how did he catch up so quickly and like did is he like the flash like he went all the way the other way around the earth like to 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 get to them but anyway like when he uh takes out adar's horse um there was a moment where it's like is he gonna take out galadriel's horse instead which would have been so interesting if he had done that that would have been sick i mean i thought that too as far as how did he get in front of them but he's from there. That's his home. So I would guess he knows some shortcuts, maybe. He, he knows the mean streets of the Southlands. <laughs> it's hard out here. <laughs> yeah, man. Wooded jungle where dreams are made of. <laughs> I guess that's just a regular jungle. <laughs> a real, actual jungle. <laughs> actual jungle. Uh, when do we want to talk about... Um, oh, sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, we, we'll get there. I was just going to mention Theo talks about uh, his kind of, I don't know, addiction to the sword hilt. Yeah. Like he was, he felt bad or he was sad letting it go, um, which seemed to be kind of a, uh, in a small way, kind of an allusion to people that hold the mm-hmm. ring. Did you guys, did you guys catch on to that? Um, so I, I do kind of like what they're doing, what they seem to be doing in the last couple of episodes, just with the power of this sword. Um, that not just that it has the key to unlock um, what what we see at the end of the episode, but um, yeah, just like it seemed like it kind of took away um, Bronwyn's courage in the previous episode and her hope, and then um, Theo being kind of addicted to it in this episode to using it, and that's probably what um, I don't remember his name, the like the the tavern guy that. That is the key of, of the end of the episode. Here. Like maybe Waldrag, yeah, maybe he's probably experiencing the same thing. Um, which I just thought that that, that was interesting. Mm. But but yeah, let's let's get to it, huh? Let's let's get to the the end of the episode where we don't know how he steals the sword hilt from Galadriel or whoever or Hallbrand, whoever had it. Um, but he gets it. Oh, and he knows. No, huh? he uh, Adar gives it to him. That's oh, I totally yeah. Missed that. He's like, I need you to do something, and then that's when he yeah. gives it to whatever his name oh, is. And okay, then sorry. He becomes like the red herring, and they he sends him on a wild goose chase after himself. Yeah, this this is what I get for watching and checking um, football scores at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was sort of, and that's that's one of the first moments where I thought. Okay, the show is now doing something. Uh, like they're 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 taking the audience on a journey, right? We're not able mm-hmm. to like, oh, what's going to happen mm-hmm. next? Oh no! I was like, oh, I hadn't imagined that happening, uh, and that was a pretty pretty wild scene. Um, and I, even the reveal of like, so he puts the sword in, and you're like, oh, what's going to happen? And then water starts to come out, and you're like, yeah, really water? But then it starts to go into the channels. So you're like, whoa, hold on a second. Those are the channels they dug. That's why I did appreciate mm-hmm. how they uh, started to, to display that. Yeah, I I liked all of it because I thought they were going to open some gate and then it would lead them somewhere and there was going to be some kind of... Like like national treasure. <laughs> yeah, they were going to find the Declaration of Independence and America was going <laughs> to be created and then they were going to colonize <laughs> all the stuff. It's all about It was going to lead to the Revolutionary War. We find out that orcs were actually on the side of Americans, not the French. Crazy. Oh, snap. The French are orcs? That's what I, you heard it here first. Wee oui, wee. Oui. That's how they know about menus. Oh, no. Um, but no, I really liked how it was just like essentially a key for devastation um, and just completely wipes out the land um i kind of wish they didn't show i mean we know gladriel's gonna be alive right because yeah. she's got a few movies yeah. to be in later on um but it would have been interesting not to see the preview for next week's episode where she's like covered in ash because that whole town that whole area got pompeyed it seemed like where it, it does i wonder if yeah. anyone else is gonna be alive like maybe she jumped before the lava hit and like she obeyed the rules of the floor's lava and like got out the way and nobody else did. But yeah, I thought that was all so cool. Um, aside from the little 
break in tension when they go to Isildur and his horse, that whole sequence was phenomenal. And like I said, I, I definitely think it's like Mordor that they're, they've created. Um, and that was the goal of this, uh, this group in this season, essentially. The bad guys won. Woohoo! Yeah, that was pretty, pretty wild. Uh, yeah, I did look up, and I, I really actually appreciate that they seem to get the science right with it because that steam can. I, first, I thought, well, pouring water into a volcano—that's not gonna. Then I realized, no, actually, it generates steam. It's essentially, what's behind a lot of uh, nuclear reactor meltdowns has been uh, steam exploding, and so it kind of initiated the hmm. explosion of what I can only presume is Mount Doom. Uh, or what, what becomes Mount Doom. So, the shockwave was really cool. That was cool. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Just I seeing think... it approach and like, uh, what was it? I forget where, but this was like real life, the explosion that happened. I can't remember exactly where it was. I want to say it was somewhere in the Middle East. Um, I don't think it was on the Mediterranean, but there was this huge explosion and like you see it like the dust cloud yeah. and everything. And then after there's this huge shock wave that comes in and it like shatters glass, it knocks buildings down. Um, so yeah, I just think the scene in, in the episode is really well done. Yeah. That was the one in Tonga. I think, I think you're talking about. No, um, I'll have to look it up. Oh, I see. Sorry. I know what you mean. That was the, that was the underwater volcano. Yeah. I think that was really well done and it was sort of, it was one of the first times, because overall the whole battle scene still felt like a skirmish. Like I just, I did not see the size of armies yeah. that suggested this was a war. If anything, it seemed like this is a very local conflict with maybe a hundred orcs, two hundred orcs, and they brought a similar force and they're going to kind of help with peace. Um, but uh, yeah, but when that everything finally went down you realize oh there's much something much bigger going on and at the end of return of the king when they do uh spoilers when they <laughs> throw the ring into mount what? doom um i think there's a similar um shock wave yeah isn't there so so it's cool how like if that is mount doom like when it was cre- when mordor's created there's one and then there's another shock wave when when everything is destroyed yeah symmetry I'm so disappointed that like that like it was a really cool moment on its own but um I think it I would have been even more blown away by it if I had realized um what Jesse did that it was Mordor and Mount Doom uh starting or beginning so uh the explosion I was talking about was in Lebanon the one uh where a bunch of the ammonium nitrate built up and had that huge, huge oh, explosion yeah. in Beirut Yeah yeah yeah, it's crazy, but yeah, that was uh, that. Prior to that, it was a bit bizarre how much blood they chose to show. Even the that scene, I think the ending was one of the most effective parts of the show so far in terms of like this is new. Oh, I hadn't really thought of Mount Doom um, coming as a result of this. This was their plan all along. Um, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting, but it was it was a bit odd. We've seen some some blood previously, but it was like the whole scene where Bronwyn's on the table and she's been shot through with an arrow. It, it, again, it, it did feel like Jesse Deer Point saving Private Ryan at some point, where they're just showing like it almost mm-hmm. felt like are we getting like a medical lesson right now in wound care? Because this is a lot of detail Cauterize. for like. <laughs> <laughs> filling it with you know the whatever that seed was they had the uh arifindil whatever and then cauterizing it it just felt like we get it she's bleeding <laughs> <laughs> and also poor theo they made him cauterize the wound yeah. like anybody else could have done it and he's like i can't do this and while she's like waiting for it it's like why why are you making her son do it like aaron deer's like do it like you do it aaron deer <laughs> it would have been funnier if they had started passing it back and forth it's supposed to be in the ground it is in the ground Listen, this is your idea it's you cauterizer it's hard to be a father, so I've heard. So give Aaron Deer some credit. He's learning. He just hopped into the stepfather game. He, That's true. He hasn't been around all these years. That's true. He's trying to provide a you know a, yeah male presence for Theo and 
He's like, this will build character <laughs> for you in the long run. <laughs> I cauterized my I cauterized my mom when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, okay, so we have two episodes left in season one. So. Um, of course, we're still going to see more of um, the Stranger and the Harfoots, and we're going to see more of Elrond and Durin and um, the dwarves in those storylines. What what do you guys think is going to happen the rest of season one with um, with, with what we just saw at the end here? Like, the, um, <clears throat> how much more will we get? What do we think is going to happen leading into season two? I was trying to remember the maps and all that they showed uh, during previous episodes because I was trying to remember in relation to where the Southlands are, where this battle battle just uh, took place, um, and this Earth. <laughs> Uh, shaking event um how far each of the groups are like how far is casa doom from uh this area how far is wherever nori and the stranger are walking around um is there another group no because uh, well, two, so two you know you're talking about linden well, linden and and uh casa doom yeah which you already mentioned no i think that's it i think we've got nori the harfoots and the stranger we've got Ariagon, Ariagon, and Casa Doom, which are right next to each other, and then the Southlands. I think that's it. Okay. So my my question is like, is will this uh, be felt? Will it be known? Um, like Twitter's not a thing, so they can't go to social media and like see <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Save the Southlanders. Um, so I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see like if they know about it, how they hear about it, and what kind of uh, haste will be given to their efforts for whatever they're trying to do. Um, obviously, they're trying to get to Mithril, but um, what more is going to happen uh, there? So, yeah, I'm interested interested to see. I know the penultimate episode is always, like, a big thing. Something massive happens. Um, like, I know for... And I don't think either of you have watched Game of Thrones at all, but normally that's the biggest episode of the season. Um, like that's when the Red Wedding occurred, the penultimate episode of season three or four. In the first season, that's when they killed Ned Stark. Spoilers. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's Sean Bean's character. Um, so I'm anticipating something big happening um, in this next episode. And then the final episode for it to be maybe a cool down um, or just like, this is where everything's going to go from here. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to, I think they have to at least leave some right now. The biggest questions are who's the stranger where, and who is Sauron? I think, are those the two biggest questions? Right. I I mean, right now we're also wondering like who survived um, the, eruption but i but we'll get an answer to that in the next episode i'm sure I, that probably won't be and it. i think okay here's the three things i think the biggest reveal in the storyline of the dwarves and the elves will be do we see a balrog this season they've shown a balrog in the previous so the question is is this the season where they've delved too greedily and a balrog emerges so i think that might be something that happens the biggest question in the hardfoot storyline is who is the stranger the biggest question now in the Southlands storyline is where is Sauron? Who is Sauron? And what happens after everyone got burn burninated? <laughs> Trogdor. <laughs> Trogdor. Uh, I'll just say if we don't get the Balrog this season after they've shown it so many times. Well, maybe I shouldn't say so many times. I've just seen the commercial so many times probably. Like if we don't get it until like season two or later, I'm gonna be upset. Um, my other thought is, do you think that the stranger, when this eruption happened, what if he's like, I just felt a great disturbance in the force? <laughs> <laughs> Something I haven't felt since. Then runs off. Uh, I okay. Sorry, Jesse. What, what were you gonna say? Oh, I. Uh, similar to uh, last week or two weeks ago, kind of went outside my lane uh, as far as only watching the movies. Um, but Damn. is <laughs> Casa Doom and Moria are those they the same place? Yeah. See, I didn't know that. 
Casa Doom is what what it is in elf uh, language. No, sorry, Casa Doom is what it is uh, in uh, in a dwarf language, and the elves call it actually something else. I think Moria is what it's called in the common speech. By the time we get to uh, hmm. time we get to the events of Middle Earth. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that that was Moria, um, but it would definitely make sense that like. Once they get to a certain depth there, that's where the Balrog's going to show up because, like, that's where he was in the movies, or it was. So, yeah, I think we'll probably yeah. see it. Who knows? And also, The Stranger, I saw, like, I know you've talked a little bit about the timeline, Ryan. Um, and side note, this is way off tangent. I didn't know that Amazon didn't acquire the rights to the Cimmerillion. So they had to go with the mm-hmm. appendices. I yep. wasn't uh, aware of that. That um, is something I read uh, last week um, after we recorded the episode. Um, or maybe they talked about it on uh, Fat Man Beyond. Um, I can't remember. But they don't have the rights to the Cimmerillion. So anything that's in that, they can't use. So Interesting. I don't know. Um, that, that does explain some of the like, huh, nature of this. Because they're, they're basically working off of like notes, like a bullet point note type setup i mean whoever is running the tolkien estate like they are great at negotiating yeah because like they got a billion dollars for a few pages (laughs) yeah it's insane and not even like to own just to rent yeah i have so i have like i don't know two or three inches of the lord of the rings and then maybe a half an inch represents the appendices (laughs) in my like one volume version that's I mean, there's a lot of really interesting Did content in there. You could definitely create, you could create multiple series out of just the appendices because it covers multiple ages, etc. And we're still in the second age, so if someone wanted to like do a first age, uh, that would definitely have more of like a feel where it's like, um, I don't know what movie where they're dealing with with uh, the history of you know Greece and uh, where you're you're dealing with you know Zeus and um, those type of characters you want to do a first age one but anyways but i think i looked at a map real quick we're essentially dealing with like south in the southlands of course roughly middle of the map where casa doom is and then north more towards where remember where brie was in the lord of the rings series they travel out of the shire through brie on their way to prancing pony Mm -hmm. there you go Uh, so i think they're sort of in that rough area that area in the north uh, traveling in that area so we have three different geographical locations Hmm multiple as the Nazgul flies <laughs> nice. uh, probably or the eagles or the eagles probably a few days journey but that's you know because remember Aragorn travels with the hobbits from um, Bree all the way to Rivendell which is usually a multiple day journey um, in that regard so it's a roughly multiple day journey between each spot what's the um, darkness that Gladriel has in her because we see that later on in the movies I think in The Hobbit that's how she kind of goes toe to toe with Sauron she kind of unlocks that uh, witch look I guess Um, but yeah I thought that was interesting how Adar was calling that out in their uh, little confrontation in the shed when they used all the Dutch angles Dutch angles yeah, I don't know what that is either. That's just how the camera was oriented, so it was like tilted a little bit on its axis. Oh, it's supposed okay. to indicate uh, like unease or uncertainty um, in what's being portrayed. Like Michael Bay uses them yeah. a lot in his movies for no reason. Um, like he'll he'll just <laughs> use them for an establishing shot. There's nothing to feel <laughs> uneasy for. But yeah, that if you watch it again, that whole <laughs> that whole scene is just. Dutch angle to Dutch angle to Dutch angle, and I guess it's at least there weren't any solar flares. That's that's good, I guess. <laughs> no JJ Abrams camera flares. Sorry, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think what's struggling with is in Tolkien's work, it was a bit more clear cut that Sauron and Morgoth and orcs were just very clearly cut forces of evil, right? There were no, I mean, even Saruman, you could argue that he wanted to bring peace to middle earth, but he wanted to rule it. He wanted, does that make sense? He didn't want to just, Oh, I'll bring peace. And so we'll all live in harmony. There's still this idea of want to exert my will and my power in my way. So it reads a bit weird. Like, Hey, Galadriel, you shouldn't be <laughs> shaming me about all my evil dastardly deeds when you're doing the same thing 
to orcs? Isn't like are we are we supposed to be sympathetic and be like on the one hand, yes, Morgoth did twist orcs and there's evidence of like being some some uh, sorry twist elves some elves being captured and kind of corrupted and so you could argue that it's and she but she points out to him that he doesn't have a fighting force the the orcs or orcs are essentially in slavery to him or in servitude to him but they're trying to cast him as like some somehow benevolent paternal type figure I mean, they even call him father. Yeah, so it just to me, it doesn't play right. I, I think it's trying to introduce some tension of like, oh, right, who's really good? Who's really bad? Is Adar good because he cares about his rooks? Is Galadriel bad because she wants them all to die? But um... is it almost, <laughs> as you're describing that, Ryan, like almost like a cult leader? Yeah. Where like yeah. kind of, well, yeah, I guess my, I only know cult stuff from like tv and and those sorts of things but it seems like it's always the leaders kind of like uh i mean they're they're primarily in it for power and and what they get out of it but they seem to uh feign you know care for their yeah for the people that they're leading over so it almost could be that sort of thing yeah it just it's yeah i don't know i'm not sure if it plays well in terms of like the tension because clearly the it's not uh, like the Uruks could just have a little corner of Middle Earth and be content there. It's like their existence right. requires the destruction of all other life. Yeah. Like they they have to live in with <laughs> darkness and evil. And you know they're not like gardening. They're not like they've been roving around and destroying villages. You know what I mean? It's not like they've been just minding their own business and then all the elves show up and be like, "Let's kill you all." So that scene played a little weird to me. I understand what they were trying to do. It was like, isn't Galadriel's bloodthirst just as bad as Adar's? But like, but it's not. I mean, it is the bad guy or antagonist saying it, so we're not supposed to take what he says into account um, as like right. gospel or anything. Um, but yeah, I think that's been a, a, a consistent theme through the season is – how much darkness do you have to take on to destroy darkness? Um, or can you stay all good and still right. destroy darkness? Or do you have to waver a little bit? Um, so. Yeah, there was, there was a couple lines in here. Um, Adar points out that we are all created from the one. He's trying to point mm-hmm. out we all have a central origin. Aren't we all created good? Aren't we good at, from the beginning? Um, and uh, Galad- Galadriel has these sayings that don't seem to quite make a lot of sense, but she keeps saying things like to to see the light you have to touch the darkness here she had something like find the light and the shadow will not find you that's what bronwyn says to theo find the light and the shadow will not find you so there's these seams of like how much of the darkness do you have to yeah to know uh to be good or are we really good at heart or what makes us bad is it an external force that acts upon us that makes us bad or is there something in us that uh risks coming out under the right circumstances um so i think that's a one bad day i guess so one bad day and yeah we create mount doom (laughs) nice joker quote there jesse from the comics i think that's all i have to say about this uh this episode yeah jesse any final thoughts um yeah i like the episode i uh liked seeing um (laughs) the good lot good guys take a loss yeah, I'm excited to see how this develops and what the rest of the crew are going to do. Um, looking forward to some dialogue between Elrond and and uh, Durin. Yeah, let's see it. I'm with you, Jesse. I, I kind of like when the villains win. Um, you guys are the worst. It, but <laughs> if, if for nothing else, and this, is probably, this isn't the only reason, but like if for nothing else, like any show or movie where you know the good guys are going to win is just it's so much more boring yeah. to me like when there are no stakes and so- actually one of my favorite genres of movie not should say favorite i do like movies where things do not end well and watching how the characters react to that so yeah. um yeah. even don't look up the one on netflix uh, mm. where it doesn't yeah. end well and there's a couple uh, end of the world movies like this is the end or no <laughs> That is, that, one. One. <laughs> that is that is one. That is one. It's a very different kind of movie. 
<laughs> I don't think um, that's what you're talking about. But no. That is one. But it just, like, or uh, even um, Rogue One, right? Like where they achieve their end, but at great cost. I think there's a lot to learn from, yep. from loss and sacrifice. Side note, since you mentioned Rogue One, have y'all watched Andor? No, I haven't started it yet. It's solid. Yeah. Um, like it feels, it makes the universe of Star Wars feel big. Which I feel like they haven't been able to do in some time now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check it out. Uh, I think there's four or five episodes already out. Um, there's going to be twelve or twenty-four total episodes. I'm not sure. It's going to be a thick season. So yeah. Nice. <laughs> check I'll it out. Check it out next. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, it's always a good connect. We're, we we got to get one Star Wars reference in each episode. I think we're probably averaging two or three, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. As a reminder, um, you can contact us if you have questions or comments, um, and then we might read those on the next episode. You can reach us at metanerdia at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.